So we're trying a new intro to the Soybean Aphid podcast. Sounds pretty exciting. Isn't that? <laughs> I wish we had more exciting things to talk about. Yeah. So this is the July 16th version of the Soybean Aphid podcast. Uh, I'm Matt O'Neill. I'm Erin Hodgson. And, uh, well, what can we say? Still very few, if any, aphids out there mm-hmm. in soybeans in central Iowa. Uh, curious what you heard from your conference calls with your colleagues around the Midwest. Yeah, I have a, a statewide uh, teleconference each week and then a regional teleconference every week. And similar story to what we've been seeing in our small plots and our larger plots for research is aphids, you can find them, um, but they remain very low and they're not anywhere at treatable levels at this time. And we're seeing the same kind of thing in our on-farm research in Story County, Central Iowa. Uh, we had one field where we were able to find aphids on some plants, um, about 10% of the plants, but those, when we went back out in the field, we couldn't find them, uh, and we haven't found any more anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And in our, in our research at the uh, research, the Iowa State Research Farms, um, the only farm that we found aphids at from you know, consistently has been here in Story County, just yeah. south of campus. Right, in central Iowa. So, uh, still a quiet year, and if we compare this year to what we've seen in the past, in the past six years, this is like a year where we don't really see an outbreak. Mm-hmm. And if we do see an outbreak, it comes late in August. Mm-hmm. Um, I was out at the... Um, Oh, I forget what event it was, but it was through our um, ag uh, business training. Mm-hmm. Uh, the management the, clinics? Yeah. yeah. And um, I was talking with some uh, growers and co-op owners, and um, we were sharing experiences this summer, and they were seeing the same kind of thing in their fields. Yeah. And we were talking about management. One guy asked me a question, asked my opinion on what they've been doing for aphids. They don't really scout. Um they kind of go out to get a sense if there are aphids there, um, but they don't use the threshold. They call in a aerial applicator uh, around the, I think he said the second week in August, and they spray strips of Lors band. Uh, not so, not the whole field. They just do mm-hmm. passes every other uh, strip. They spray uh, Lors band, and they call it good. And it's been working for him. And he asked me, you know, what I thought of that. And I, told him that uh, I can understand why he got to that point because that probably works compared to neighbors who don't spray um, in that we've done research now and we had this published through a graduate student, Kevin Johnson, um, who's got his PhD and now works for Dow AgriScience. And what Kevin found in a three-year study over multiple locations throughout the Midwest was that if you use a, a calendar to base your insecticide application for soybeans, you'll get better yield than if you didn't spray at all. And it's pretty significant. I mean, you can see a 30% improvement in yield by spraying, say, like what this gentleman did in the second week of August. However, when you compare that to a a pest management program where you scout and you spray as needed, uh, there will be some years where you don't spray. And over the course of Kevin's study, what we found was... Uh, on average, you made more money by scouting and spraying when needed than just spraying whenever, uh, based on some calendar 
Yeah, I agree. I when the when I get similar types of questions on different philosophies for managing soybean aphid, my opinion is I want growers to make the most money possible. Not necessarily always having the highest yields, but you mm. want to have the highest, you know, you want to make the most money, have the lowest overall production costs, and sometimes that means scouting and you won't have to treat. Some years you will have to. Yeah. And this guy kind of misses out on this. Yep. Um, and his response to that, we had a really interesting discussion, and his response was, well, look, I, I would love to do that, except I'm not, he, he wasn't sure that he could scout and then get stuff sprayed in a timely fashion because all the neighbors would start lining up. And mm-hmm. this way he books the spray. He's on the schedule. Yeah. And it's a knew. risk management issue for him, and it's worth the risk. And um, we talked, you know, some about that, and uh, and I said, you know, I can't tell you, you know, what's right or wrong for your farm. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, but you asked my opinion, and and then the other thing I told him was that uh, you're, you, you, you know, he came to me with this strip spraying of Lorsban, and that works because. Lures ban under hot temperatures, and I think it has to be above 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm not completely sure about that, but it does have to be hot in order for this product to volatilize, and then it sort of spreads beyond where it was mm-hmm. uh, where it was sprayed. And I said, you know, you're doing this strip spraying, and it can work if it's hot enough. But last summer was the coldest summer on record, and mm-hmm. I think we had four days in Iowa that were above 90. Yeah, and so. You tell me you're doing the strip spraying and it's working for you, but I would be really careful about that. And just you know, that's a, that's a lot riding on, you know, this uh, this kind of unique attribute of Laura's band. Yeah. And he said, "Well, yeah, look, it's worked for me." It's like, "Well, yeah, it could work because you sprayed when you didn't need to and looked like you got good control." Yeah. Uh, and it could have been that you know you 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 timed it right. You know, you got warm temperature, but. What we've seen the last couple of years have been kind of cooler summers where we haven't had these 90-degree temperatures, and um, that may not always be the case. Yeah. So something to be aware of if you're using that practice. Yep, absolutely. And then the last thing that we talked about, and I think we're going to talk more and more about this in the next couple of weeks and months and years, is the aphid-resistant varieties. And I said, you know, that's a product that will slow the growth of aphids and maybe that'll buy you more time so that you can be uh, be scouting and 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 not just saying all right punch me in for the second week of august right exactly and that's my hope too that host plant resistance will just curb the number of sprays applied every season for soybean aphid and hopefully it'll be a uh, a tool that saves growers some money and from what we've seen it it protects yield mm-hmm. so Save money and yield more. Anything more to talk about? I don't have anything more this week. Um, We'll be back next week with more. All righty. Great, thanks. Thank you.